Hi, filmmakers. Jason Brubaker with Film Making Stuff, where we show you how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. I'm talking to you from sunny Southern California, and I'd like to welcome you to the show. My guest today is Danny Mack, a Canadian actor, screenwriter, and filmmaker whose film Heel Kick, uh, which is about unprofessional wrestling, released on video on demand very recently. He wrote it, he stars in it, he co-directed it, and he produced it. Uh, hey, Danny, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. First of all, I think your film is outrageous. I'll just say that. <laughs> Thank you. What prompted you to make a pro wrestling movie? I mean, I loved pro wrestling for like an eight-year period of time when I was younger, right before I got into a full-fledged team and deciding you know, that smoking pot with my my loser friends was more entertaining than watching professional wrestling. But I always still loved the business. And uh, I had an older cousin that went to a prestigious pro wrestling school after like decades of talking about it. And he's really fit and intelligent and athletic, unlike the leads in heel kick. Um, but after like a week, he dropped out. And it was really interesting to hear how it was different than he thought it was going to be and what he did and didn't like about it. But what I really couldn't get out of my mind was him telling me about some of the other kids in class and how grossly underprepared they were and how they don't eat properly or exercise. And they, and some of them were kind of, you know, he wasn't trying to be mean, but delusional about their chances of becoming the next Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock. And I couldn't stop thinking about what it would be like to follow two of those guys into the ring. And so many years later, they say, write what you know, and, and the heel kick became a thing. So in this film, did you guys do your own stunts? Yes, we did. So I play Reggie, um, the lead in the film, one of the two backyard wrestlers that decides to go pro, along with uh, Chris Wilcox, who plays Maurice. So in order to do what uh, you'll see us do in the film, we had to train with a real pro wrestling academy. Um, and in fact, it's the one that's featured prominently throughout the film called ECCW. So I trained as a professional wrestler for six months to, to prepare for this movie. And yeah, everything you see is real. We do all, all of our own stunts um, for better or worse. <laughs> when you guys go out and make a film like this, you know, you have two ways to go about it. You can make a film that appeals to just about everybody on earth or at least attempt that. Or you can really narrow down your focus into a niche topic. And certainly pro wrestling is one of these things. Was that a tough decision for you? I mean, were you thinking about how to market this thing even before you began? I mean, yes and no. Um, I I will say that Heel Kick, and I've heard this from countless people and most of the film critics that have reviewed the film, they all say you don't need to know a thing about professional wrestling to enjoy it. And that's one of the things that we set out to do. However, what was equally important to us is to make a film that uh, a pro wrestling audience would would love because I didn't want to be the guy who made a pro wrestling movie that pro wrestling fans didn't like. So there's a lot in there just for them. Um, and as we went on with the production, I realized that we had a great benefit on our hands of, of having a film uh, about a niche market or this subculture um, because we knew exactly who to market our film to. And I've made just a broad romantic comedy in the past. And a lot of my contemporaries and, and friends here in Vancouver are doing similar things. They're making family dramas and, and, uh, and, and comedies, but you can't just approach uh, a distributor or any interested parties and say, Hey, this movie's for anyone that likes to laugh. You know, that just won't cut it anymore because most of the time people aren't seeing comedies because they love to laugh. They're seeing it because they love the actors involved. And at the very least, the production value has millions of dollars thrown into it. So it, it became like a blessing in disguise. What first made people go, oh, that sounds weird, now became 
we know exactly where to zero in on millions of, of wrestling fans who have who are starved for narrative film content. So it really worked out in our favor. And tell me a little bit about your casting process. Well, um, I was writing some of the roles for um, fellow actors that I knew and I'd worked with before. Um, I mean, myself and Chris Wilcox, who plays Maurice, we couldn't have even gotten anyone else to play those parts. Like, who was going to train for free as a pro wrestler for six months and, you know, take the bumps and the bruises along the way. Um, and, uh, and, but besides that, you know, we had a pretty general casting process. Vancouver is uh, a huge film town, so there's a lot of talent here. And um, while it was a, a micro-budget production, um, you know, that's not totally uncommon. So once people read the script and, and realized that there were some good parts in it, people were more than willing to, to devote their free time um, and, and make the movie happen. Early on, you mentioned some parts about, you know, utilizing social media stars and influencers. Talk to me about that, because that's an interesting thing that you're seeing a lot of filmmakers do to help spread awareness and, and frankly, pay for some marketing expenses up front. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like I went to the AFM, I think it was two years ago, maybe three, within the last three years. And uh, a big trend that I was seeing, and I think, I mean, you, you're you're like an early trendsetter in this with your film, I believe, but um, a lot of people were pitching their movies with social media stars attached, not actors, but, you know, people just have YouTube subscribers. And I saw more and more of that happening. And, you know, I'm a millennial, um, but uh, I, I never really considered putting anyone except for professional actors in my films before. And I still don't think that you need to stray away from that. So my co-producer is Greg Miller. He used to work for IGN, which is the world's biggest overall entertainment website. And he left and started his own company called Kind of Funny. And he is a YouTube celebrity with millions of followers. And this film was right up his alley. So while he appears in it in a, a documentary type fashion, to discuss his views on professional wrestling. He's not in it as an actor because really what these social media influencers are best at is spreading the word about things. Um, and that's why, you know, they get so many endorsement deals and, and you see them shouting out so many mini ads within what they're doing. And, you know, I think that's a better way to utilize social media influencers personally. So you don't have to worry about compromising your film by putting non-actors in it. And that's not to say that Social media stars aren't great actors because there's a ton of crossover. Um, but, I mean, involving a social media star doesn't necessarily have to mean that they become the star of your film. So there's other ways to use them. And that's just something I wanted filmmakers to keep in mind. Has using social media stars, have you been able to leverage that the way you'd previously planned for promotion? Absolutely. Yeah, because when, when you come on board with a, a social media star, if they're committed to your project and spreading the word about it, their uh, audience becomes your audience. So we were able to host sold out screenings in cities that I never would have been able to go to. So we did um, packed screenings in my hometown of Edmonton, Alberta, obviously here in Vancouver, Canada, uh, Toronto, um, as well as Austin, Texas and San Francisco. And like one really cool thing was that Greg and his kind of funny company were doing a live show in San Francisco and they invited all their fans from all over the world to come down for it. And they made a screening of Heel Kick part of that big weekend. So we had people from all over the world, uh, UK, uh, Mexico, Brazil, Canada, all over the United States, Germany, Australia, all packed into this one theater to kick off this big weekend. And it was so cool. I, I, can't, I can't even describe how great it was to have that many far-reaching corners of the earth uh, converge to watch your film somewhere. 
in a city you never would have been able to have a screening in. So yeah, we definitely took full advantage of it and uh, it's been going really well so far. Most times when I speak with independent filmmakers and they've had such a fantastic run on the theatrical side, even if they're running their own theatrical screenings like you guys did, usually they get the appetite for getting some sort of massive distribution deal. But you chose to self-distribute the film. And, and what brought you to that conclusion? Um, there was a couple different reasons. I, I mean, one, we, we were going to reach out to some of the larger distributors who seem a little more on the level. We did get a, a number of offers from smaller and mid-level distributors, but I think every filmmaker listening at this point who has filmmaker friends has probably heard a horror story about working with a distributor that they did not like and they couldn't get information from and they never really saw a dime. And I didn't want to be another statistic. And so I thought, you know, win or lose, if I can self-distribute my film, the, uh, the amount that I will learn from doing that by myself will be invaluable. And I can use that to inform everything I do going forward. But, you know, if you sign a distribution deal and you're not seeing any money roll in and you're sending them emails trying to figure out what's going on and they're not getting back to you, the only thing you will have learned is that that distribution company isn't for you in the future. Hopefully that's what you will have learned. But, you know, in self-distributing your film, um, I used I used Distriber, uh, and there's a few other ones out there from what I understand. But, uh, I mean, I've learned so much without it completely breaking my back that I just feel like a much better producer going forward. So after you made the decision to self-distribute and you got it out into the marketplace, how well has your fans embraced the film? Right, yeah, our pre-sales were really cool. So we really promoted iTunes, even though we had pre-orders uh, up on Google Play and Amazon as well. So my girlfriend messaged me one day and said, hey, you're climbing up the pre-order ranks. And we started spreading the word. And then again, that's where our co-producer, Greg Miller, came in. He started spreading the word. And before you knew it, we were in the top 10 most pre-ordered films in the UK and Canada and the US. And then we were in the top five. And then we were third. It was Star Wars, Thor, and then Heel Kick. And it just looked so cool. And then sure enough, uh, the next day we, we took the number one spot. So we were the most pre-ordered film in North America for uh, close to two days straight. And uh, there's nothing more surreal than seeing your film beat Star Wars at something for, for more than 48 hours. It was, it was super wild. And then, yeah, the film managed to have a pretty healthy lifespan on the new and noteworthy charts for a while. And it's still doing quite well on the comedy charts. So people have really taken to it. Um, the pro wrestling community you know, if you can imagine a community besides filmmaking that has way more podcasts dedicated to it, the pro wrestling one has like a thousand times more. We always get people reaching out to us asking if we want to be guests and introduce it to other pro wrestling fans who, again, they don't really have any narrative films for them, very few, especially comedies. So the community outreach has been awesome. And all of our reviews with fans and critics alike have been spectacular. So we feel pretty blessed right now. What advice would you give to other filmmakers that want to have similar um, success? I would say a lot of people said since, you know, I, I wore so many hats making this wasn't that overwhelming for you. But um, I'm really glad that I took on as much as I did, because if you have a strong vision for something, you might as well go full force with it in all creative aspects. You know, I was in the editing room for every frame of the final cut. Like I said, I co-directed the film. Um, it's, you know, it's one of the few screenplays that I've written completely by myself. And, you know, don't be afraid of getting overworked. Uh, a far worse fate is for you to bring on uh, other voices that don't gel with yours. That's not to say don't be collaborative, 
But if, if you really have a clear vision for something and it's a little out there and a little weird, maybe like a pro wrestling comedy, um, make sure that your voice is the one driving it home. Because at the end of the day, after years of hard work, uh, win or lose, you want what is on screen to be you. And then again, that's how you learn the most as well. That's fantastic, Danny. Well, thank you so much for stopping by today. And for all the filmmakers out there, as always, take action and make your movie now.